To the 120th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast, I'm Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man Sage chilling in Dustin's house. Actually, I'm so used to saying in Southern Oregon, but it actually I, it is official. I am in Portland, Oregon, right now, and we are recording in the same space on the same microphone using my gross computer. <laughs> it is, listeners, it, it is so gross. Uh, just, just take my word for it, but I, I love the guy, so we're gonna let it slide, and it, it's nice actually being able to see you without a computer screen there. Hey man, first off, I don't want everybody using my consumer electronics, so it's good, but I, I'm happy to be here, you know, I'll be in Portland for two weeks straight, and then I have to go back to Southern Oregon for a little while to clean up the house. Your boy's in Portland for the foreseeable future, and I'm happy to be recording with you right here on Podcast 120. So we obviously had the NBA draft last Thursday, wanted to take our time and not just do a knee-jerk reaction, and put together our thoughts uh, on the NBA draft as a whole. What Portland did, they ended up standing pat at 24 taking Anthony Simmons, um, the young kid out of IMG Academy, 19. And then when the second round rolled around, Portland had no picks. Gary Trent Jr., the shooting guard out of Duke, and the son of former Trailblazer Gary Trent was taken number 37 by the Kings. Portland sent over two future second round picks and $1.5 million in cash. So Portland definitely went the youth movement and got two 19-year-old rookies. Uh, Sage Neil Olshay said at the press conference that they tried to package their TPE and 24 for a veteran. When we were thinking kind of the opposite package, uh, the TPE for 14 and a veteran, 15 and a veteran, like to use it to get up in the draft rather than take on a veteran contract. So to hear Neil O'Shea say that, then do almost a complete 180 and go for some of the most inexperienced players in the draft. Um, first off, what, what are your thoughts on the picks and... How do you feel this works in with Portland's vision, both short-term and the long-term? I mean, when it was draft day, I was furious that they picked Anthony Simmons when Kyrie Thomas and Robert Williams were on the board. I mean, you look at what Neil O'Shea has done throughout his time as a GM, and it's been picking veteran, you know, sophomores, juniors, and seniors, and then he turns around and picks a dude who's been playing against nothing but high school students again, it's hard to judge talent. Like, of course he does cool stuff on the court against 18-year-olds, 17-year-olds, but what can he do it against college seniors? Or even, it's hard to judge what Anthony can do, and it just goes against what I think of Neil O'Shea as a drafter and an evaluator. It really felt like this was a last-ditch desperation attempt by Neil O'Shea Hearing him speak at that press conference, you could tell he swung for the fences just out of blind luck. It wasn't like it was a calculated, you know, uh, risk. It seemed like he was like, well, fuck it. I can't get my veteran, so I'm just going to go for the highest ceiling guy because, in his words, you're not going to find a guy at 37 
that's going to do anything. Well, Semi Olaje for the Boston Celtics played pretty damn well last year. So um, I'd like to take him, you know, really discredit what he just said because I, I just didn't believe anything he comes out of his mouth anymore. It's just a lot of rhetoric. And like you said, this draft, we aren't going to know the effects of this draft probably for another five years. Simmons is so far away from contributing, and I don't want to get that misconstrued because I do like the pick. I like that we swung for the fences. If he turns out like Jermaine O'Neal did where we had to wait five years, and hopefully we keep that player this time around, then then that's a good pick, especially at 24. Um, the same thing with Gary Trent. He's supposedly one of the best shooters in the draft. But I'm caught in between the direction of the team. All I hear is we need players who are going to win in the postseason now. This is after we got swept by the Pelicans. And, you know, we, we're trying to win now. We have Dame and CJ in. And, and all of this talk is about winning now. Yet we're taking two of the, the most raw prospects in the entire draft, which is fine. But it still feels like we're, we've got one foot in the rebuilding camp and one foot in the win now camp. We need to make up our minds because... I don't think this is going to appease anyone. It's not going to work out for for either side. And I think this is going to be the year, finally, where where we figure out what Portland's going to do because, you know, I really felt like there were better prospects on the board. Absolutely. I mean, we we talked about Robert Williams, who would have been a lottery pick last year at Texas A&M coming out as a freshman. He somehow slides to 27. Does he have attitude issues? That's what's being reported. But, you know, when you're picking later on in the draft, beggars cannot be choosers. And you know damn well that Brad Stevens is going to get the most out of a rim-running, lob-catching, defensive-minded center, which is exactly what they needed. And what we needed as well as insurance if we maybe didn't want to um, sign Yusuf Nurkic long-term or look for a big five to play next to Zach Collins, who's stretching the floor. Then you want to talk about trading back up into the draft in the second round. Well, the best defensive guard, Kyrie Thomas, the two-time Big East Defensive Player of the Year, was picked up by the Sixers and then traded into the Pistons. So we could have had Thomas for the same exact package we got Gary Trent. It it just feels like there was a much better draft out there. I mean, it's, it's hard to reminisce. But it feels a lot like last year when, you know, you're, you're pretty happy with Zach Collins. And I know neither of us were really stoked on Caleb Swanigan. Um, I feel like that's kind of the same same way now. Is like we're, we're pretty happy with, with the youth movement and Simons and Gary Trent. And who knows, it could work out. But it felt like there were prospects on the board that maybe have been a little bit older but still had a ton of upside and who really could have contributed right away. You see what Kyrie Thomas can do against college players, and there's that bit of, okay, we've seen him do it at this level. Let's see what he can do and add to his game at the next level. For Simons, we can't really say that because he's just playing against the lowest form of competition. If you're talking about all Americans in the draft, he is playing against the lowest level players. It could work. It could very well work. He could be Tracy McGrady. He could be CJ McCollum 2.0, but he could also be out of the league in two years. You know, I, I really liken Simons to, he's a prospect like Luis Montero. Like, kind of an unknown, so much raw potential that you see. 
Can can he be coached? Can he turn that into something tangible? Uh, kind of feels like Quintel Woods as well. Like they have so much potential. Are they going to reach it? And you know that's a risk that I think it's it's a it's a very fine risk to take. I mean, especially at twenty four, where like the chances of the guy being good enough to be on your team is one in nine. Yeah. So if we swing for the fences and miss at twenty four, it really. I mean, it sucks, but like we'll be at twenty four again. It won't be as detrimental as if we swung and missed at three or five. And so ultimately, I give the Blazers draft a C. I think it's average, middle of the road, and really is due to the fact that we actually added another player, which I was thankful that Neil O'Shea went out and did. But it's so hard to judge. So that's why I went with a C, because we don't know what Trent and Simmons are going to be. They could be amazing. They could fall off fall off the face of the, the NBA universe. You, you just don't know. So it's not a... I don't think it's a great draft. I don't think it's a poor draft. I think there's it's a very high risk, high reward. And so, you know... The knee jerk from from when I watched it until now, a C feels about fine. And I, I know when you look at draft grades, like, oh my god, a C is usually pretty shitty. But I think if we're actually looking at it, it's like 70%. You know, I feel like you walk away like, okay, we, we can live with this. That's mm-hmm. how I feel like. We can live with these draft picks. Every day that goes by, I feel more and more okay with the pick. Day one, right after the draft, I was like, I don't, I don't want to talk about this shit. I was furious. I mean... Kyrie Thomas fills a role and can get better. Same with Rob Williams. I mean, I'm glad that we traded back into the second, but there was prospects I liked more. So it's like, I'm okay with it now, you know, numerous days after the draft, but day of, I was steaming mad. Yeah, and really, you know, had we gotten Williams and Thomas, I think that's an A draft just because of the talent they showed at the collegiate level. And I still felt like they both have room to grow and they have specialties. When you're drafting that late, that's one of the reasons I like drafting specialists is because you know what they're going to do. They want to be a skill. It's so hard to find that all-around player at this point in the draft because typically those players go so much sooner. So, you know, if I'm being honest, I don't know if if Simmons is going to hit or not. and really, we won't know. I mean, yeah. do not judge these kids by their summer league performance. I really think Simmons is probably four to five years away. It's going to take that long um, to get acclimated. I mean, look at CJ McCollum, probably the most polished player coming out of the 2013 draft. A four-year guy um, really takes – it takes him until – the end of his sophomore year to even get a chance. Mm-hmm. And then he's the most improved player. So you're looking at three years for a four-year guy to produce. Mm-hmm. And he was a lottery pick. So temper your expectations. I would liken these players to almost having aces up your sleeve. Like, you don't need to play those cards now. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you're able to play them in three or four years when, when they're blossoming. But let's... um the lottery tickets. So yeah. maybe the buff that buff... The buck that bought the bottle could have struck the lotto. Boom. <laughs> first, first take. Um, what, first take saved right there. What are some teams that you like what they did at the draft? I mean, you know my beloveds. I really liked what the Pistons did with the second round guys. I mean, I know that's a little bit weird, but like 
I really like what they do with their guards, Bruce Brown and Kyrie Thomas, my two favorite prospects. You know, in the 20s, I mean, Bruce was, Bruce got first-round grades, and they got him for 50 at, like, 42, right? So it's like, that's a good one. I mean, of course, the son, the son's getting DeAndre Aiden was a good one, and man, as a fan of the New Orleans Pelicans, I'm kind of upset that Dallas got Luka Doncic and his mom. <laughs> what do you make about so obviously no real players traded traded teams during the draft so I think a lot of us were expecting more movement this was all about the NBA draft and very few trades I had. All, all, all week leading up we heard like this could be like a storm like there's going to be a ton of picks and players moving there weren't many trades I think the two biggest trades were Dallas and Atlanta swapping spots at 5 and 3 Atlanta taking on a top five lottery pick next year from Dallas and moving down to five, taking Trey Young, the guard from Oklahoma, while Dallas goes up and gets Luka Doncic. Um, who, who do you think won that deal? I think Dallas, just because I think Doncic is so much better than Trey Young, and we won't—I mean, we won't know what happens for the for that pick next year. But like, I think Luka's going to be a real prospect, and I, I, I'm not too f- sure about what Trey Young's NBA prospects are. I, I think because of his attitude, he'll be good, but he might not. I mean, there's no other there's like no other player that produced in college like he did with the same body type, so it's hard to like guess what he's going to be since there's no other person's ever been like him. I mean, I think Atlanta got value. That is a lot of value to move up two spots. Mm-hmm for Atlanta to move back. And we know Dallas is going to be terrible next year. So they're going to have a really nice pick in the 2019 draft, assuming it, it um, transfers over and it's not, um, doesn't land in the one through five range. I like Dallas getting Donkic because of the dirt connection that mm-hmm. they have, they have success with Euros. Rick Carlisle is an amazing coach and that backcourt with Smith and Luca could be really fun to watch. Do you think it could work though? Both of them seem to need the ball in their hands, and Dennis Smith has gotten the, is going to have the ball a lot less in his hands because of this this trade. I mean, I think that's something for him to work out. But if Luca is the playmaker we all think he is, he should make everybody better. Mm-hmm. Um, and same thing with Smith; he looks like he has the potential to to play off the ball in kind of that Steve Francis, Baron Davis mold. Um, so as long as he can get a solid jump shot, he should be able to play off the ball just a little bit. But, you know, we saw Houston this year kind of buck that trend and really make it work because they both, Harden and Paul, were such exceptional playmakers. It just worked. And I was a huge um, kind of retractor of that. I was like, I don't think this is going to work. Um, what are you guys doing? It's just going to blow up in your face. And it really didn't. Uh, they were a hamstring away from probably winning the NBA championship. Um, but... I think I would have liked this trade a lot more for Atlanta, how they take in Mo Bamba. Trey Young is the one prospect in the draft you couldn't pay me to pick a side on. I really don't know. And it all has to do with Steph Curry. Had there not been a Steph Curry, I'm saying this guy's going to bust. But he's either going to be Jimmer Fredette or or Stephen Curry. And you just don't know. If 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 I had to bet, I would lean towards more of Steph. But he's going to need time he's going to need more talent around him and if that does work i mean it, it's a, one of those trades where like i kind of like it for both sides 
Um, the other big trade of the night was Philadelphia and Phoenix. Uh, it was a feel-good story for about 30 minutes when homegrown um, Mikel Bridges was drafted by the Sixers. His mom's the VP of HR there. Um, everything's feeling, you know, happy-go-lucky. He's a 3 and D guy, perfect fit for that roster. And then Zaire Smith, the freshman out of Texas Tech, slides down to 16. Phoenix makes the play. They give up the 2021 unprotected pick from the Miami Heat in order to take Mikel Bridges. Uh, Philly moves back six spots, picks up um, Zaire Smith. He's a big-time athlete, not as polished as as uh, Bridges. And I really like this deal for Philly. It's just like, you know, there's the basketball side, but there's also the human side of business and trades and stuff. That's a bummer, but I think... Mikel will be great in Phoenix. I mean, those they they need guys that can do well with the ball not in their hands. And yeah, I just feel like that's too high of a price. Like that twenty twenty one pick, unpro- you don't get unprotected picks very often. Like mm-hmm. that is the ultimate lottery ticket, mm-hmm. and that literally could be worth millions of dollars. And that's going to be an amazing trade ship for a team like the 76ers who have Robert Covington, Dario Sarge, Markel Fultz at their disposal to go out and get a guy like Kawhi Leonard. You add that pick there, I mean, I think that is a smart move by Brett Brown. He said it in their press conference. They are star hunting right now. They want to get that big star to go alongside Simmons in MB, probably somebody with some veteran experience who can kind of lead them through the postseason. Um Phoenix, I love their draft. I love that they picked up, you know, Okobo, the, the point guard out of France, who's, who's going to take some time, but it was a really good risk, I think, at 31. And obviously, Aiton, I think, is going to be a stud. And Bridges is going to fit in nicely. I just feel like that, that was a high price to pay. And it just it felt like the classic Suns move. Like, when they traded um, Isaiah Thomas to the, to the Celtics and only got a first-round pick in return. Isaiah goes on to become an MVP candidate. They also gave up that Lakers pick, that number 10 pick that was theirs from the Steve Nash deal. They gave that up in, to get fucking Brandon Knight in a trade. Like, what are you... That, that, to me, just felt like the ultimate Suns pick. Like, just when I was getting stoked on the Suns' future, they kind of go out and do it again. So, you know, I, I'm i not as sold on Bridges. I actually like Miles Bridges much more... Well, Miles Bridges is better. Much more than, than Mikel. So, um, didn't love that move for Phoenix. Uh... What do you think of Denver getting Michael Porter Jr. with the 14th pick? Well, I remember going on boards and them not even thinking that Porter would be an option. And then when like all of those injury issues came about and he started slipping, I, I looked and they were like, there's a chance we could get Michael Porter Jr. And if he takes a Ben Simmons here, it doesn't really matter because that is, that is some high-quality talent coming to you at 14. And, I mean... Wilson Chandler just picked up his option, so they have a small forward. If Porter isn't one hundred percent ready to go at the start of the season, they 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 made a nice move getting a guy who was falling. Yeah, I mean, they kind of had to take him. I don't know if they wanted to take him, but you kind of have to take that risk at that point in the draft. But from the reports, if you're back, the eighty-two game grind. And you're already having back issues. It's I think the chances of him having a long, prosperous career are, are pretty low. 
didn't they say, like, didn't they compare it back to something food-wise? Like, the quality of his back was food-wise? I remember Steph Curry, them saying his ankles are crab meat. And I remember hearing something like, uh, uh, his back is the quality of, like, jerky or something like that. And when your body gets compared to food, it's kind of risky. It's it's risky, and, you know, if it hits, it hits. If it doesn't, I mean, it is, it is a lottery pick you are risking, so there is risk involved. And there were some great prospects. I mean, they could have had Zaire Smith. Um, they could have definitely taken Lonnie Walker, who slipped to the, the San Antonio Spurs. Spurs. Um, you know, the, the Robert Williams as well would have been a nice pick for them to play alongside uh, the Joker. So... All in all, as a Blazer fan and a team that's in my division, I hope it doesn't work out, but it just kind of sucked seeing so many teams in the Western Conference get better, get better and younger. Uh, who who do you think had, had, the, had the worst draft? Like, you just saw the draft, like, what, what are you doing? I mean, just because of, I hate to say the Portland Trailblazers, but I, I just was not expecting them to go so young with their prospects. Like, at draft night, like, the guys were saying, "Yeah, everything's going shock except oh look, 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 look what the Blazers did. They they we we saw Anthony Simmons going around thirty. I mean, I know six picks isn't that big of a deal, but it's like, damn, if they've noticed that we kind of reached, I'm sure all other all twenty nine GMs noticed that Neil Shea made a a panic move right there. I mean, I think the easy answer is Sacramento." Why are you taking Marvin Bagley at two? I think there were three better prospects on the board in Bamba, Doncic, and Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, Bagley really doesn't play much defense. He can't shoot. So all these comparisons to Chris Bosch make no sense. Bosch had an outside shot. He was the key of the mid-range sh- jumper. If you watch Bagley, he did a lot of the same things that Michael Beasley did when he was at Kansas State and won player of the year. He just dominated smaller competition. So, yes, Bagley does have freakish athleticism. He can handle the ball in, in, in the front court. But I didn't love that pick at two. I don't know where he fits. Um, I remember seeing like, them hoping Harry Giles will you know, finally get healthy when he never has been healthy. It just felt like the ultimate Kang's pick. I mean, no offense to Denver, but they fuck up a lot of shit. So it's like... You could expect them to do a goofball pick at two, and if 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 what you're saying is right, I mean every top five play in every draft, one top five guy bust. So is he your odds-on favorite to be that bust? Yes, yes. <laughs> I think um, if we're looking at the top ten picks, Wendell Carter from from Duke went to Chicago. Uh, Marvin Bagley, um, I do not like their games. I don't think their trans translate over. Um, and again, like I said, Trey Young, I'm so scared about. Like, I just, I just don't know. He's so tiny, mm-hmm. like so tiny. And does it say goodbye to Dennis Schroeder if you're Atlanta? I think all, it has. I mean, he all, he already requested all that, out all that spicy shit he said about the team. I mean, it might, it might be time for the Trey Young era to start very early. I, mean, I, I really didn't like Atlanta's second two picks. Um, the kid from Maryland, Kevin uh, Herter, and uh, Omari Spillman. None of those guys play defense. Um, they could have had such a better draft and really rebuilt the talent 
But they took John Collins last year. He looked like a really good prospect, so they may know way more than I do. Again, that's why draft grades are super silly, but super fun to talk about because we don't really know until a couple years down the road. But I wanted to get your thoughts on free agency and the draft kind of swapping time slots. And the Houston Rockets became the first team to actually become a proponent of that and put that up for um, debate and vote. Because if you're, if you're a team like the Cleveland Cavaliers and LeBron James leaves, you're not trying to dangle that eight pick. Yeah. You're not trying to trade Kevin Love and eight for, for a veteran. You're probably trying to trade Kevin Love for a lottery pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may not need Colin Sexton. You may go for somebody else. I mean, it, it just it kind of puts teams in a shitty a shitty hole because I've always felt the draft should be the best player available and free agencies where you go out and fill your needs. I think when you draft for need, you really put yourself in a bad situation where you're now doing a, a Sam Bowie over Michael Jordan mm-hmm. situation. Yeah, I mean, the NFL, I think the NFL's offseason where the free agency happens before the draft, I prefer that just because what if you swing for that that elite talent at that position and you get it, you don't have to worry about it in the draft if you're going for need only. So, like, I think it gives teams, especially like the Cavaliers, more, more you know, ways to attack this offseason. But, I mean... We don't have a transcendent talent trying to leave, so we don't really have to worry about that. No. No. So let's switch gears. Free agency begins Saturday night, 9 p.m. on the Pacific Coast. Portland has already extended the qualifying offer to Yusuf Nurkic. They have not done so to uh, Pat Connaughton or Shabazz Napier. They have decisions to make in July on guaranteeing Jake Lehman's contract, uh, Wade Baldwin's contract, and... uh, Papa Giannis as well. So Portland has a lot of decisions, and that doesn't even include Ed Davis, who is an unrestricted free agent. Portland has, I think, the five, $5.3 million taxpayer exception to, at their disposal. They obviously have the Noah Vonley TPE and the Alan Crabb TPE. Uh, it feels like it's going to be another boring start of free agency if you're a troubling oh, yeah. because they just have no 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 ammunition. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're trying to fight a war with Helens and Rocks, when other teams have bazookas, so it's like it might just be a very boring offseason for the Portland Trailblazers where we just re-sign all of our guys and may, and use the the mid-level exception on a guy that's kind of iffy. And especially with Portland and those, those TPEs, the AC one has to be done by July 25th, so we'll hopefully get some clarity on that, but Teams aren't going to want to make a move until that first domino hits, and those first dominoes are Kawhi Leonard and LeBron James. Kawhi via the trade, LeBron probably in free agency, and I think it's going to slow things down a lot if, if you're Portland. And, you know, we just, I think what will happen is we will use that TPE, and then with the mid level, we're going to find a player like Mo Williams where he probably struck out in free agency. Yeah. We get him on the cheap. And I think that's what Portland will do. Um, most experts out there are predicting that the market's going to be pretty dry. Teams are not going to look to spend a ton of money. It's really incredible the thought process of the GMs and owners. Just two years ago, in 2016, you see Mozgov and AC just get ginormous deals, and now, like, everyone's being stingy. It's like, did you guys all of a sudden just get smart? Like, that's <laughs> so crazy that that happened. I think that luxury tax and that repeater tax really got people scared. 
and you know, Portland's definitely going to have to pay that tax this year. Yeah. I mean, but let's be real. Teams aren't looking to unload unless you're the Charlotte Hornets right now. Every team has hope. Even the Sacramento Kings think Marvin Bagley is going to be the best power forward in this draft. The time to attack on via trade is at the deadline when people already know, hey, this season's kind of over. Let's let, let go of this talented yet expensive player and get younger, cheaper assets. So using the TPE would have been more beneficial for us last year at the deadline than right now just because of the desperate the desperateness of GMs. So if we're talking strictly free agents, who are some guys that could possibly be Neil Olshay's target? Like that would fit really well in Portland. I feel like you always have to look at like defensive versatility, being able to guard n- numerous numerous guys either a shooter or smart. And I know it's sad to say, but I think we're going to be really, it's going to be a really boring. I mean, maybe like David Nwaba. That's been my guy ever since I've realized he is going to be a uh, uh, restricted free agent. And I don't think Chicago's going to be willing to pay like the biannual for him. So maybe that, it's going to be a boring one. There's, we don't have the ammunition to do something cool. And you can only be so creative when you have atrocities of contracts of Evan Turner and uh, number 11. Yeah, I, I don't even know what, what Neil's going to do. Portland, again, has never been a free agency destination. So do we do we go for a guy like Wayne Ellington? Is he going to get more than, than the $5.3 million we can offer? I think he will. Probably. And so he killed it from three. He was in a three-point contest. I don't remember who won that contest. He was in it. And so then you're almost at a scenario where you're looking back at 2016 where you have max money. I know we don't have max money this year, but it was kind of the same same play where, you know, do we use it because we have it? Well, we used it because we have it and we regretted that decision. Buyers are more like a motherfucker. Last year, we didn't do shit, so we didn't tie ourselves to any bad contracts. Maybe we do the same thing this year where it's like, you know, I'm just going to throw a name out there. Ersan Ilyasova, he's not worth $5.3 million for three or four years to just add on to our books. Like, that's not going to make the difference. You know, I feel like Portland's going to be very savvy in who they bring on via free agency because we really have two years to ride out the contracts of Harkless, Leonard, and Turner. Mm. And then it feels like we can kind of have a clean slate and make decisions. But if, to me, anybody we add on that's not a rookie almost feels like we're just adding on to that cap problem. Mm-hmm. But then Neil Wilshay in, in, in his pressers talks about how we need to add a free agent that will swing, you know, they'll be able to play in the playoffs and do well with all of this shit, but with, with what money are we going to make a move in free agency? So, so I think that's why the TPE entices me so much. You can find a guy in a two-year deal so they expire at the same time it doesn't feel like you're adding on to that 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 cap, you know, hell, so so to speak. And you can probably find a lot better guys that make a, you know thirteen million dollars than some guy you're going to bring on for five. And then you don't have to compete with 28, 29 other teams for that person's services using you know the five million dollars as the dangling chip for you know to, to gain their services. You can just go up to a team that has a guy that 
is on contract for a while that, you know, will be able to be on your team for a few years so you can gain that continuity with them. I think the TPE, if we use it, is going to be a valuable tool. I just wish we did it earlier. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I, that's that's it's so hard to talk free agency because Portland has so so little t- to work with. Um, Sage, do you let's let's talk about Portland's free agents and kind of give our final predictions. Uh, we've done this throughout the course of the year, but. Let's give our absolute final predictions on what happens and what we do. First up, uh, Shabazz Napier. Man, it, it looks like we're just not bringing him in since we drafted two guards. And I know Baz had a great year, but it's like, where's the minutes and where's the development of our young guards going to be if Shabazz is on this team again? Because he deserves minutes, but Soto, you know, those guards need Royal Jelly, and the way you get it is playing time. So if you want to develop Anthony, you got to play him. You know how Spurs did Dejounte Murray. It was rough for a while, but now it's good. You need to you need to get that that those bad moments out now. Yeah, I mean, if it was me, I would bring him back. I think he had a stellar stellar second season in Portland. I don't think the market is very hot for him or in backup guards in general. He had a toe injury, which really affected his play towards the end of the year, but there were a lot of games where he saved us. I said this before, he is Dame and CJ insurance to a T, and I would bring him back if it was me. My prediction is we do not bring him back. I think the team liked enough of what they saw out of Wade Baldwin. Um, and it'll be significantly cheaper. It'll be cheaper, and you know, I, they did bring in Simmons, but, but the thing to, to keep in mind is I know it feels like we have a lot of guards, but if Dame or CJ go down, who's scoring that basketball? Baldwin is a defender. Simmons is a 19-year-old kid who might not even play at all this year. He might just be in the G League. So we have to really think about it through that lens, too, because if you can bring back Napier on a cost, uh, cost-effective, cost team-friendly deal, maybe a three-year deal with that third year as a team option, I say absolutely because both Dame and CJ – get played a shit ton of minutes, and they're only getting older. So it would behoove Neil Olshay and Terry Stotts to find some insurance because if either of them go down for an extended period of time, you may as well kiss the kiss the season goodbye and, oh, and, and bring it's up done. that tank yeah. because we are not making the playoffs and we're not doing shit. So I don't think he'll be coming back. I think that's a mistake, a mistake mm-hmm. though. Yeah. What if the goal? I mean, what if one of them goes down and the new goal is get a, getting that lottery pick? Then you might as well just. You know that's not. I know. Neil <laughs> Shane Terry stops his mo though. Well, I mean, they're 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 coaching for their jobs right now, so obviously. But if situations happen that out of their control, they're gonna need to you know change tactic quick. But I hope that shit doesn't happen. Pat Connaughton. I think he's gone. I think the Gary Trent. That, that just... That signal. Yeah, Pat Connaughton really surprised. I mean, he had, I believe he had 24 points in the season opener at Phoenix and showed off, you know, really a repertoire of moves, especially handling the basketball, cutting to the basket, um, hitting the three, but he fell off the hardest of any trailblazer over the course of the second half of the year. Cost him millions. And, and, you know, really just was not reliable. I think there was a game that I was at personally where he kept, sh- there was a Houston game 
where we had our 14 game win streak and he just kept shooting and kept shooting and kept shooting and couldn't throw it in the ocean. Just you need more consistency from um, really your your sixth man. I mean, at times he was our sixth man. So I think Pat's got to go. I, I really think Trent, if he's as advertised, he's advertised as a fearless shooter um, who doesn't really rely on athleticism, needs to work better on his defensive game. Um, if you can come in and provide those minutes, or if you bring in a guy like Wayne Ellington, I, I think that that signals the end of Pat Connaughton's uh, short tenure in Rip City. Uh, what about uh, the fan favorite, Ed Davis? That's so tough. He provides such he provides the, the things he's good at at such an elite level in rebounding and energy, and the team loves him. So in that sense, I could, I could see him. Resigning because he is Nurk insurance. I I think he'll be back, but I don't know if I would resign him. I, but I think Neil will. Yeah, I mean we can't forget we still have Caleb Swanigan. Yeah, and he's definitely more of a backup four than a backup five. And if the goal is to move Zach Collins into that starting lineup, then you look at Alfred Camino possibly being your backup four. Can Ed Davis play with an Alfred Camino? Can they coexist together? Um, is the goal to develop Caleb Swanigan more? I, I I really think had Portland had a stronger end to the season, especially against New Orleans, that you're bringing a guy like Ed Davis back, no questions asked. He was so vital mm-hmm. to our 13-game win streak and really our 49-win total. Um, I'm with you. I don't know if I, if I bring him back just because of how far away I think we are. Um, but I do think he comes back. I hope it's a three-year deal with a team option. Like I said, a two and one. A t- yeah. yeah okay. So we have that 2020 summer where everybody comes off the books. Like we need to unload so much cap. Um, but I think Ed Davis, he's good for game. He's good for the locker room. Um, he he loves it here. I, I mean, I love him. I just wish we were a better team. I just I think we're so far away from making any any headway in the Western Conference that. You know, Ed Davis is that perfect vet that a team that needs to get over the hump acquires. Um, but my prediction is we do bring him back. Uh, what about the big man, Yusuf Nurkic? I think we. I mean, he's a restricted free agent. What I want him, what I want Neil to do is, since he is a restricted free agent, I want someone else to offer up that contract. Again, I mean, free agency starts on the first at midnight, nine p.m. for us. I don't want to. I don't want Neil to be at his front door knocking. I want someone. To, I want the market to decide his value because Neil has a habit of overpaying for his guys. What's his value though? Like who? Who's in the market for a starting center? Dallas. Dallas and the Lakers. Wizards. Wizards have enough money in Ian Mahimi locked up. Yeah. I don't. The Wizards don't have any money to go after Yusuf Nurkic. They got. They got. Trade. They got their own uh, signing trades are nearly impossible for strict free agents. I mean, the center market's dried up, so I think I think DeAndre goes to to uh, Dallas. The sign and trade. Yeah, I mean, for some reason, Dallas is willing to take him back after they he rebuffed him in the most embarrassing fashion. But hey, it is what it is. I, I, the center market is pretty is pretty barren, but I still say. We signed up for a pretty decent contract. I think he takes the qualifying offer, plays out this year, and tries to get a bigger payday next year. If I mean, I'm talking about someone who doesn't have like that supreme confidence in myself 
Nerf, Nerf has to have that supreme confidence in himself where he believes that he can get that. So I could definitely see Nerf I mean, I, get that. I don't even know if it comes to the supreme confidence. I don't think Portland's going to offer him a big deal. I mean, we'll be like, here's your deal this year based upon performance. Mm-hmm. And this is what we can offer. Like, apparently he turned down big money in, in uh, October before the deadline. His number's going to be lower. And so it's like, well, you can take this guaranteed deal now. Or you can bet on yourself. And I, I don't think, you know, go out and find yourself a deal. I don't think the Lakers are going to offer it. I mean, they may get very desperate down towards the end, but I think the Lakers have other fish to fry. And I, I think Nurk will be settled before that mm-hmm. even even takes place. And Dallas will probably look at Jordan and Cousins before they go after uh, Nurkic. Um, so I really do think he's going to take the qualifying offer. Just based, That's really his only option. And I think for Portland, that's great because you get another year and you see if the defense still continues at that trajectory when he is in the starting lineup. You see if he can play in today's uh, small ball uh, era. And, you know, how does he do in in, in the postseason? Can, does he really – I think he needs to improve his field goal percentage. He was such a liability when he got the ball in the post and just wasn't that offensive threat that he was during the Nurk Fever era uh, in 2017. So. You know, I'll take that five six million dollar risk for a year, and you know if it works, he loves Portland. I don't, I don't, I do not see any scenario where he's like, I am leaving Portland next year after a big year. We'll, we'll pay him the max if that's what he's deserving of. Um, but let's kind of like see 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 if he can prove it. Yeah, and and I think he needs to work on his on court attitude because you could tell there was like fifteen games a season where he could give a fuck less what he was doing on the court. Do you think we bring back Jake Lehman, Wade Baldwin, or Papa Giannis? Maybe Wade, just because of the like three, three and a half games he showed that he can defend at a pretty respectable rate. I don't know about Papa or I did. I don't see Lehman being a NBA caliber player, so I would take a shot on uh, Wade. I think they bring back Wade. I think Jake Lehman gets the Pat Connaughton treatment where we keep extending the deadline, extending the deadline, finally locking him in for a year because he is, you have to have 13 guys and he makes very little money in comparison to the rest of the the team. So I think he gets one more year. And I would honestly just say, fuck it, bring Papa Giannis in for one more year, see what he can do in a controlled environment. I mean, he was a lottery pick. I know he was a reach, but let's, I mean, fuck, let's just, why not? I, I think you're, you're kind of, you signed him for a reason. Yeah, definitely. I mean, unless everything just went terribly when you're practicing with him, but you bring him back. Like, let's let's bring back as many cheap contracts mm-hmm. as we can. Um, but I have a feeling it's going to be a, a similar team as next year. So it, for me, it's it's a little hard to, to get excited. Um, I am excited for summer league, especially with Swanigan and Collins and Simmons and Trent. Um, I think Wade Baldwin's playing as well. So that'll be really fun, especially. I mean, it's 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 disheartening to see so many um, of your rotation players playing in summer league <laughs> because you kind of know what that season entails. Um, but I I'm preparing myself for the inevitable, and the inevitable to me is we go about forty five wins again, and it might be a one and done, and then the chatter starts bringing up Damon CJ, which it just it feels like that's on the horizon, and I don't want it to get to that point because Dame was first team All NBA, fourth in MVP voting, 
and want to see him retire as a Blazer. I mean, he, he loves the community. Last Tuesday, just pulled up to Irving Park at 8 p.m., handed out autographs and shoes for, for the youth, and he's a real one. He's, he's real, and like, it's, it reminds me a lot of Clyde Drexler in the sense of he's kind of pouring his heart and soul into the franchise, but in the case of Drexler, the team could never get over the hump and win a championship, and for the case of Lillard, his running mate and Lamarcus left. We never really recovered, and right now we're just not good enough. And it feels like we're wasting his prime. And as a fan of his game and what he's done with the team, you know you kind of want to see him go somewhere and win and show off in, in the ultimate stage. And if you're Portland, you also make sure you want to cash out on your investment while there's still value left on the contract. So, I mean, I think that's down the road, but I don't think it's as far down the road as people maybe oh, yeah, people yeah. want to admit. I mean, if we're not good by the time he's in his last year, he's gone. I don't care how loyal he says he is. If there's no chance or, or a clear lane of winning, he's gone. I just, I feel like Portland needs to shit about pot when it comes to Damon TJ. Like, mm-hmm. how else are we making this team better? Yeah. Like, what, what, what are we doing? And no matter what we do, can we even compete with the Rockets no. or, or, you know, whatever LeBron goes to, whatever Kawhi ends up with, uh, the, the Warriors? Like, it, it just feels like we're so far away. But that doesn't mean there aren't great moments. Last season was immensely fun. Dame's game winners, 13-game winning streak, beating the Warriors twice, um, you know, at the Rose Garden. So there are definitely moments in the season where it makes it worthwhile. Oh, yeah, it's a process, but, you know... You, you want to see progress on that process. Absolutely. You want to see, you know, the coach's hard work and then the player's hard work actually amount to something that's not a first-round sweep. I, and I think the the sweep was kind of a wake-up call, and you know, hopefully they attack Summer League, they attack Free Agency, and they can get us a couple of pieces. And, you know, we still have... Players we can trade, like see what what the market is, you know, out there, and don't forget, Alfred Camino is is an unrestricted free agent next off. He's, he's on one of the best deals in the entire NBA, um, and he's improved a lot. He's improved a lot now. If, if you see Zach Collins is going to be that starting four, do you really need a guy like Amino as your backup now, or can you be like Swan again? We drafted you twenty four last year, twenty six. Why why don't you pick up those minutes? And Amino, we really need to get you. To move you to get us that that awesome three and D player at, at the actual small forward position with a little bit more handle. <laughs> You're so nice. A little more. So I mean, I think there are moves Olshay can make, but I think Portland is maybe one of the biggest unknowns. We just don't know what's going to happen, and we don't have a lot to to deal with. So you know, I think it could be another semi quiet off season. But if the results don't come next year, then I think next year's when we might be talking uh, something different. I'm just trying to kind of project what what, mm. what, the, what the vision is that I'm seeing. So, yeah, the the, the uh, I would say that most likely it will be a boring off season. But what if San Antonio whispers to you, "Hey, you know we said this." That we will only trade to the Eastern Conference. But if you give us CJ a first and maybe Zach Collins, you can have Kawhi. Would you do it? Absolutely. Okay. I don't even blink. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. 
if you're Portland, just like Denver did with Michael Porter Jr., you have to take that risk. Mm-hmm. Yes, he is a free agent, but you're acquiring a top three player, not by a top three player. He is that good at both ends of the court. You pair Dame with a legit superstar, mm-hmm. and you go to work with Nurk. Aminu slides back into your four, and all you need to do now, oh, now Wayne Ellington's probably going to want to come and play with Oh, yeah, he'll take less to play with us. That's what, I mean, that's... That, that's what winning does. When you win, and you have a culture that people say, hey, I fuck with this, I'll take less to come ride with Dame and Kawhi and see what see what happens when I'm on this team. I mean, my what I've read about Kawhi is he doesn't want to be the superstar. And with all the Blazers, he doesn't have to be. Because Damian Lillard's star is big enough for the both of them. Of course, he's going to have to do some shit, but he can be the quiet guy that plays basketball that he always wanted to be. And Damian Lillard loves taking those pressure-filled shots, so Kawhi doesn't have to do that. Like, those are the two things that I think Kawhi talked about. He hates doing these dates, being the center of attention and taking the last few shots. Dame loves those two things. So, Kawhi, if you're looking for a situation that might not be perfect, but it's damn good, give us a shot. And what would be your guarantee of, like, signing? What, like, what would you want Kawhi to say about re-signing? Because he, he is on a short-term deal. No, the one-year deal, have an open mind. Yeah, do not make just it, give us a chance. Just give us a chance. We'll win you over. Yeah. I mean, when the Rose Garden is rocking and you got Dane playing next to you, helping you out, and we're winning games and having fun and jumping up and down and winning, it, he'll want to stay. If he says, nah, fuck, fuck that, I want to go to L.A., I get scared. But if he just says, I'll keep an open mind and give you a chance, that's all I need. So the one thing about Neil Wilshay you have to give him credit for is he is a player's GM. Mm-hmm. Um, I've noticed that when I worked with the team, a lot of access was restricted. You couldn't do certain things like player centric environment, players first. And I think they really fed off of that. And, you know, I think players appreciate that. So obviously it's, it's, it's fun to talk about, but it won't, won't happen. But if it did, I, I like our chances of, of keeping him. <laughs> Better question. The, the Spurs hit the reset button because they're the Spurs and they're smart. They realize, okay, they, they, they go to try and reconciliate the relationship with Kawhi Leonard. He says, guys, I just really want to get traded. They move him for a package of, of young studs from Boston or Philadelphia that maybe make them playoff bound, but they're definitely not a threat. Do you then reach out to R.C. Buford and say, what about LaMarcus Aldridge? Man... There's so much baggage of Lamarcus in Portland. So in theory, I would love it, but in, I mean, this is an NBA 2K. There's humans and emotions. So I don't know if we as Portlanders or the, the team of the Trailblazers would be ready to take Lamarcus back. But, I mean, if this was NBA 2K, I'd love it. I mean, he reportedly contacted Dane. So I think he, he realized... I had it good, uh, and I'm, I'm willing you know, to come back, you know, as one of the biggest LaMarcus haters out there and just was so upset with this decision, you know, if it helps us win, I, I, I root for the front of the jersey first. So if it helps us win, yeah, you can come back, but I'm not going to break the bank, though. Like, I mean, I don't know what we could realistically offer 
maybe a couple future picks and just matching salary because I'm not giving up Collins, I'm not giving up CJ, and I'm not giving up Dane. Mm. I mean, I, I remember shit. Well, Alvin Jetter said, I will play with the devil if he helps me win. So if, if you're in Neil O'Shea's seat, you have to be able to deal with, you have to be able to play with the devil if he's able to help you win. I mean, and I'm not saying Marcus is that devil, but man, there's so much baggage there. And I think for LaMarcus, he's probably looking for a better way to close that chapter. Mm -hmm. He wants to see his number retired. I mean, I think that's what eventually would happen if if we were able to to reacquire him. Um, I think that's the type of move, maybe going after a Blake Griffin on just an awful contract. Portland's going to have to take some risk on older guys on either bad situations or bad contracts that still have talent mm. that maybe are forgotten a little bit. Well, Marcus was second-team All-NBA. Blake Griffin was, at one time, an MVP candidate. If we really want to to contend with the Warriors, we need a guy like Blake or LaMarcus, and we have to find them on the cheap. We just have to be like, hey, we'll take on their salary, and you know, we'll give you somewhat less better deals. Like We know their, their value is so... I would say LaMarcus' value isn't low, but Blake's is definitely rock bottom. Mm. You just have, it's all about risk. You know, small market teams kind of meddling in that first round, it's all about risk. You have to be willing to take a chance. Because if we play it safe, I'm telling you right now, Red City, nothing is going to change. We may make the second round, and I, I think that's our peak with the, the current roster. Man, second round? All right. I could see it. I said peak. Okay. Don't want to shit. Okay, all right, all right. We made it twice. <laughs> oh, damn. All right. Hey, I'm sorry, but I can't, I just see other teams getting better. Oh, man. Where do you think uh, the big three wings go? Who are the big three wings? Kawhi, LeBron, and I guess Paul George. I mean, it. Probably have a better chance of going to a roulette table in Vegas and, and putting money on, on black or red. I've heard Paul George definitely is going to L.A. or he's thinking about staying in OKC. You hear Kawhi wants to go to L.A. The Spurs won't trade him there. I still don't think no matter what the Lakers do. The Spurs are smart. They're not going to trade him to make that potential dynasty. Absolutely not. They're and not- Pop's like on the tail end of his career, right? He doesn't want to create another... Three-headed monster. He just doesn't. He, he's too smart to realize to trade him to the Lakers and do what Kawhi ultimately wants. Also, no, no, no teams like it. No, fuck those guys. Fuck the Lakers and R.C. Buford and the San Antonio Spurs have better. They, can, I legitimately think they're going to be better offers from Boston or Philadelphia mm-hmm. than what the Lakers can offer. Like, I'm sorry, Lonzo and Brandon Ingram. That that's not that's not cutting it. Mm. Um, so I think Kawhi goes east. I don't think they reckon they, they, they put that relationship together. Um, and I think it's going to be a bidding war between Boston and, and, and Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia gets him. Mm. Um, LeBron is a tougher one to peg. Paul George is obviously, I think, down to OKC and, and LA. But it feels like they need to be talking to one another because I don't think either one goes to Los Angeles without the guarantee mm-hmm. that the other one is going to be there. Um, I, I know all the, the data and directions are kind of pointing to LeBron going to Los Angeles, but 
I just can't fathom them putting together a team without Kawhi Leonard that's going to be good enough to compete. Houston still feels like the the best fit for him, especially if he opts into his deal by June 29th and he can be signed and traded for. Um, Chris Paul's recruiting him. I don't think Houston's getting enough attention. I think Houston's probably my my favorite, followed by by Philadelphia. Um, Philly's going to end up with either LeBron or Kawhi. I feel like I think they just have enough. They have enough, uh, you know, assets. Um, and then Paul George. I think it'd be so hilarious if he stayed in OKC. So I'm going to say OKC. I think the Lakers strike out. The Lakers have been striking out. So I'm going to continue to say that. If Paul George does not, Paul George will miss out on so much money if he leaves. And I'm not saying he has to. He has to do the Chris Paul thing, where he opts in and then does a hush hush deal with whoever trades for him, and then he's going to make thirty percent of the cap. There's no way. Like if he just goes straight to L.A., he's missing out on so much fucking money. I know his agent is telling him the same thing I'm saying on right now. Just do that hush hush deal, get that get that thirty percent of the cap, and then maybe like a three and one, then you get your ten years of service and they get even more money. But if he just goes, Oh fuck it, I'm going to LA right now, I don't care about the money. Oh, that would that would hurt me as someone who loves money a little too much. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I think that's a good way to end our 120th episode. Sage, great to have you actually in studio. Um, shoot, I mean, if you guys like this podcast, you know where to find us. Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes, um, at Holy Backboard. We're also on um, Holy Backboard, Facebook, Twitter, and, and the Gram. Last words, my friend? You'll probably hear a solo episode from me. Recapping the free agency because my man is going to Europe. So you might just hear just me. I might try to get someone fun to talk about the freedoms that we missed out on. <laughs> All right, peace out. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go! Let's go. Come on.